Backs him down. Giannis into the lane. Giannis spinning. Fading shot. Up. Good for Giannis at the buzzer. Bucks win it. Welcome to Locked On Bucks. I'm your host, Kane Pittman, here alongside the founder of BrewHoop.com and longtime voice of the podcast, Frank Madden, for today's show. It is brought to you by Rock Auto. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Visit rockauto.com and tell them Locked On sent you. Now, uh, just to let the listeners in on what's just gone down here, I've accidentally sent the Zoom call uh, to our DM that we reference almost every single podcast on this show. So uh, who knows what could happen here? There's a chance Eric Name could jump in. Dean Maniart could jump in. Mitchell Maurer, who knows? We're just going to see what happens here. And if they don't uh, decide to jump in, then we can just take that as a sign of disrespect. But Frank, I've got a little pep in my step this week. I mentioned this when I went solo yesterday. I think it's no surprise to anyone that listens to this show over the course of the season that uh, I have really been hanging out for the playoffs to get here to hopefully validate some of the things that we've seen during the regular season. I don't think that the, uh, the team or the opponent could be any more challenging than the one they have, both from an on-court perspective, but also a mental perspective, the Miami Heat. But I'm still excited. I'm fired up. But I think there's a, a mix of emotions among the fan base. It's our second playoff series together, Frank, and we're hoping we see a, a bit of a better result than we did last year when we played this team. But where are you at after the weekend? Where are you at mentally? in regards to the Milwaukee Bucks and this postseason run, we hope is going to be a long one. Well, as I tweeted out today, I'm, I mean, if you know, Elijah Bryant finished the season as the second leading rookie scorer and rebounder in the NBA after his first game as a Buck, so I'm, I really just want to talk about how the yeah. Bucks get him into the playoff rotation. No, shout out to <laughs> Elijah Bryant, though. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> shout out to Elijah Bryant and Jordan Wara. When... When Elijah Bryant showed up on Sunday night and hit that three, like as soon as he came to the game, I saw like his hair and the the number three on the back of his jersey, and I thought, oh, that was Jordan Wara, uh, who is number thirteen and has like the same haircut. Um, and then I was like, oh, Elijah Bryant, yeah, I guess he's on on this basketball team. But um, yeah, playoff basketball. Um, I don't. I feel kind of similar to um, kind of how I have been feeling for a while. Um, I think if I was going to sum up my, my view of the Bucks and their playoff chances, I would say, I would start by saying, I think this is, you know, if I was going to line up this Bucks team against the last two Bucks teams, I would feel better about this version of the Bucks. Um, I, so I think this is the best version or at least the most playoff ready version of the Bucks. Um, obviously this was the least successful regular season version of the Bucks. Uh, for different reasons, depth, maybe a bit more uh, experimentation. Also, just the league, I think, just changing and becoming even more sort of three-point heavy, which, you know, worked against um, some of the things the Bucks have obviously historically done as far as the zone drop and defending the rim. Um, so I would say this is, you know, a Bucks team that if they went back in time the last two years, I would have said this version, I would feel confident coming out of the East in 2019 and coming out of the East in 2020. 
But alas, I, I have not created my time machine yet, nor uh, will I ever get to put this version of the Bucks into it. Um, and unfortunately, I think this version of the East, I think two, two big things. I think one, this version of the East is, is better. Um, I mean, it's still kind of weird, right? I mean, the Knicks and Hawks being like the four or five, we'll see. You know, Atlanta was really good to end the year. The Knicks were apparently more or less for real, given how kind of consistent they were over the course of the year. But um, I don't know. We'll see, right? But certainly Philly, I think, realizing more of certainly their potential than we saw the last two years, uh, staying healthy and be kind of reaching another level. And then uh, obviously Brooklyn being the ultimate sort of X factor, which we you know, obviously the, the the East did not have the last two years with the having those three stars. So um, I think it's a tougher, it's a tougher East to compete in. And then I think the bracket that the Bucks have, you know, put themselves into by virtue of the fact that they have not been as good in the regular season, um, you know, is just makes it really hard. So um, I, yeah, I mean, I think it's, it's a, it's going to be a really interesting subplot and, you know, I, I think they're obviously, I know, I know we've talked about the, you know, should the Bucks have wanted to play the, the Heat or should they have tried to, you know, to, uh, tank the Heat game so that they could have gotten the Knicks. Um, look, I, I think the Heat are a better team and a worse matchup than those other two teams probably. That said, I'm just like so over, <laughs> like, like, a lot of the talk and the narrative about the Bucks that I'm just sort of like, all right, screw it. You know, like whatever, bring on Miami. Let's, let's either, you know, exercise those demons from last bubble or like just completely get destroyed and, you know, get ready for just a miserable summer of, you know, talk about change and, and Bud getting fired and what's going to happen next and all that stuff. Cause obviously uh, th there's, th there's a, a very dark timeline uh, that, that can come from, from losing in the first round against the heat. But um, I've been a little surprised. I've been surprised how much optimism, like kind of from people I talk to, uh, which admittedly is more on the kind of buck side, but I would say pretty realistic bucks people. Um, how much optimism, and I'm not, I'm not saying people in the Bucks organization, but people sort of in the orbit, right? A little pleasantly surprised by how much optimism there is that they will beat the Heat. Um, I think they should be favored probably, but I also just sort of struggle with, you know, I mean, you, you, you've been a Bucks fan for what, 20 years, Kane? Like, I've been a Bucks fan for 30 years. Um, after what we've been through, as good as this team has been, as, as much as they've brought us, as fun as the last two seasons have been, um, uh, we've gotten hurt <laughs> at the end of the year. And so um, I'm, I'm, I could see anything happening in the first round series, um, but I'm certainly hopeful that Drew Holiday in an extra year and more experimentation and more versatility will lead us to a better outcome. So, um, so I don't know. I'm, I'm kind of excited for it. I will admit I'm, I, you know, I kind of enjoy just having every other night the ability to look forward to a regular season game and the kind of chicken soup for the soul <laughs> kind of aspect of it, you know, if there weren't huge stakes night to night um, for, for the Bucks uh, this year. Um, although emotionally, I guess the, the fan base probably didn't really seem like that that was the case, uh, even though we all sort of said at coming into the year that it wasn't about the regular season. But, um, you know, for better or worse, they weren't as good in the regular season. And that is going to make it extremely hard to come out of the East just because of the bracket they have. You know, compare that to Philly, I think, you know, this would have been a good year to be the number one seed, unfortunately. But, um, you know, at, at this point, let's just, 
let's just see what happens is, is kind of my attitude at this point. And, um, you know, what, what, I guess, what better way to, to just roll the dice and just see what happens. And with the team that knocked you out last year. Yeah. We, we spoke a lot and I want to touch on a couple of things you said there, but just quickly, I, I spoke a lot about the whole idea of the Bucks stuck in Miami on yesterday's show again. And I know we've spoke about it the last week or so, cause it's certainly been a talking point. I think one of the, the points that I, I didn't bring up that I at least think is worth mentioning is that we know that the way the results panned out in the end, that even if Miami had have won that game, or sorry, if Miami won that game against the Bucs, they would have finished the five seed, the Knicks would have finished the six. So it would have been Milwaukee, New York. Fine. You got the result. You ultimately you know, would have been going for. That's totally fine. But at the time, it wasn't locked in that Miami was going to finish that five seed. So it is an interesting situation. If you openly announce to the world that you're trying to duck Miami and then you end up with them in the first round anyway, how do you mentally prepare for a series that the team has basically said, yeah, we don't think we can beat these guys. We, we want to we avoid them at all costs. And then you end up with them in the first round anyway, which I think would have been a bit of a disaster. I too have been a little bit, I must admit, taken aback, surprised, but certainly very impressed with the, the second that it was announced that it was going to be, or it was locked in that it was going to be Bucks Heat, then the fan base was like, all right, let's do this now. And there's certainly still some anger out there and you get the odd tweet from here or there that says that they made a mistake and they shouldn't have done that. And whatever, that's, that's a fine opinion to have. But one tweet that really made me laugh, and I mean really made me laugh, was at Cool J uh, on Twitter. And I think I sent this to the DM and I said, I love this so much. So he tweeted... It's so fucking on. You hear me? It's on. It ain't never been more on than this. If it was any more on, the shit would be off. Bring the motherfucking Miami Heat. This is the rematch. <laughs> and that is the attitude we want to see more of. I, I got into it a little bit on Twitter. I didn't get into it. I just tweeted something this morning that it, uh, at an opinion of a friend of mine, Ty Windish, who we know. I used to podcast with. Um, I met him a few times. Great bloke. But I, I just thought that there's been some overly negative stuff all season. And I said, come on, are you people kidding me? You just touched on this, Frank. We've watched this team for a long time. And yes, you can go into this series feeling uh, cautious about what could potentially happen. And I'm certainly open to the fact that the Bucks could lose this series. That is not a situation that I'm denying could be possible. But this season for me has been really, really enjoyable. It's been a roller coaster. It hasn't been as consistent as what we've seen in recent years. But again, I always come back to the fact that I just hope regardless of what happens here, that people don't look back on this era as a disappointment no matter what happens. Yes, you would have. everyone wants to win a title. Yes, I think that they've wasted some opportunities. And yes, I think that Bud deserves blame for that. I think that Giannis himself does as well and the players. But this has been an incredible ride. And even today, just seeing people around Milwaukee, the Fiserv Forum is getting up the, the, the playoff poster on the arena and, and everyone's getting ready to go it's going to be 50 percent capacity fans are getting to go to these games playoffs are back which we missed out on last year the opportunity to go i i do just hope that people appreciate not not just the whole team but where they came from six seven years ago i don't think that i ever in my wildest dreams would have imagined that there would have been an mvp player on the team that not only would win two mvps but would sign on with the franchise for a supermax extension that you would get these playoff runs so yes I don't think that that means that you're settling for mediocrity if you say that you appreciate the ride and it's been a lot of fun. So I hope that we're not miserable podcasters in a week and a half time, Frank, or two weeks time, whenever it is. I hope that we're not. I hope we've got another couple of months of games here to come. But it's, it's come on, let's, let's, let's get fired up and let's be excited about playoff basketball and, and try and at least enjoy, enjoy it for what it is. 
All right, we've got plenty more to get to, Frank. But before I jump back in, we're going to talk about the sponsor of the show today, rockauto.com. They've been with us for a long time and they've been with auto parts customers for a long time as well. They've been around for over 20 years. So just head to rockauto.com to shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. Uh, I always say this, but I just drove up the highway to Melbourne. I seen a couple of cars just waiting on the side of the road, bonnet up, and I was thinking... You know, you guys, you guys, I wonder if you even know. I wonder if you even know about rockauto.com because if they had it, it's a signed on. They could go straight online. The catalog is very easy to navigate for anyone, even if you have no idea what you're on about like me. It doesn't matter. I can find what I need for my car and the specifications, brands, the prices, everything that I want is all going to be right there for you. It's super easy. And of course, the best part is they deliver directly to your door. So uh, you, know, you never know. People these days, they don't want to be in shops around big crowds. Uh, so you can do that easily online, which is the best part about it. All you have to do is go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck right locked on in their How Did You Hear About Us box. So they know we sent you that's locked on in their How Did You Hear About Us box. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com. Let me ask you this. I, I've been trying to think, you know, I mean, we'll have a lot of time for kind of uh, analysis of, uh, of, of this matchup and all that. But if, if there was, and I can, I can give you my answer first if you want some time to think about it. But um, if, if you were told, you know, you can pick a subplot and it could be, you know, uh, the Bucks defense or the team's relative three-point shooting or an individual matchup or whatever. Um, if you could have the answer to any of these, um, you know, you'd be most curious and would be most indicative to you of how this series is going to go, uh, you know, coaching matchup, whatever, whatever it might be, right? Um, what, what, which kind of single subplot would you, would you highlight? Because I have one in my head, which obviously, you know, anything we're going to say probably is going to draw from what we saw last, last year. But do you, does, is there one that jumps to mind for you? Because, and again, I'm happy to go first, but um, what, anything jumps to you or do you want me to go? Uh, the, the immediate thing that I think of when you ask that question, and again, trying to compare last year to this year, there's lots of different things. And, and I think that overall, if the Bucs are to have success and they're to win a title, I want Giannis to be the story because I think that he deserves that. And, and I think that there's been a lot of question marks over him that I, I think a lot of them have been unfair. But the story for me and what I think would really make uh, not just the, the people that watch the Bucks every single day, but the national media step back and say, okay, all right, the, the, we, we see it now. We see why the Bucks did that would be Drew Holiday. And we saw last year in this series that Jimmy Butler was uh, on another level competitor-wise. Uh, he was willing to do whatever it took necessary. The Bucks didn't really have a guy that were able to match that intensity with him down the stretch. We saw Chris Middleton try and defend him for a while. Wes Matthews, I think we would have hoped that we would have played more. But there is a reason that the Bucks upgraded the point guard position. I think offensively, you're going to see it. But defensively as well in the playoffs, I think that this is, if you could have picked a perfect matchup for the Bucks to put on display why they did what they did last offseason, then I think Jimmy Butler versus Drew Holiday is the absolute ideal matchup, not only for the Bucks to, to exercise the demons for the players that were on the roster, but for the new guy that they went out and everyone 
um, not everyone, but there was a large section of people that laughed at the, the trade that they made to get this guy. If he comes out and makes a statement in the first round, I mean, that to me is going to be one of the biggest storylines from not only for us talking on this show every single day, but from a national perspective. So you kind of started it off, what you started off with and then where you finished, I'm actually going to pick a mix of those two. Mm-hmm. For me, it is the best player in the series narrative is the mm-hmm. one that I I really think is going to be, to me, that's like probably the single most important thing, probably in terms of the outcome of the series, but also just from the perspective of like, I'm just curious, you know, and I think as a, you know, it even translates from a, you know, sports talk radio perspective. Um, you know, Jamie Butler was the best player in that series last year. Mm-hmm. Clearly outplayed Giannis. Obviously Giannis gets hurt. Um, this is the last game and a half, but um, you know, I mean, this is a, I think as a fan base, we fixate on, you know, Bud because he's the lever that is most obviously going to get pulled if, if things don't, if and when things don't work out for the Bucks. Like, you know, getting a new coach is the obvious thing that you can easily do, uh, which is not limited by your salary cap or any of these other things. I'm not saying it's going to be easy to find some, you know, great, great coach that's going to upgrade what the Bucks can do. But, um, but that's the obvious you know, kind of ripcord that can, that at least could make people feel like you've made a change. But, you know, we sort of take it for granted because like you're never trading Giannis. Obviously, like there's nothing Giannis can do in this series that would make you consider moving on from Giannis. But um, for that reason, I think oftentimes Giannis's sort of culpability in the last two playoff failures, like I think people are aware of it, like as it's happening, but then a lot of times when we do the postmortem or we look back on it, like it, it, it gets underplayed because somehow if you talk about it, it's like almost implying like, you know, that right. you should <laughs> yeah. build around Giannis or something. So yeah, people don't yeah. want to talk about it. It's like, but look, I, it's not like we're saying like, you know, you shouldn't build around Giannis. It's just the reality of like, if the Bucks are actually going to be a title contender, Giannis has to be the best player in every series. And, you know, it's one thing, look, if you get to the finals and like, you know, LeBron is better than you or, you know, even in the second round, like if KD is, you know, a little bit better than Giannis, like that doesn't mean Giannis was some failure. But if Jimmy outplays Giannis and Giannis doesn't ever guard Jimmy and, you know, like it's basically redux of last year. I mean, at some point, like, you you know, and I'm, 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 I'm kind of at that inflection point where I'm looking at Giannis and just sort of, you know, I, I think he has to prove that the regular season success is, is something that, that can translate every series. And it's not something where he's just inevitably going to run into a well-organized team that can, you know, basically take him down a notch into like a second tier star. Like, well, you know, maybe he's a top 10 to 15 guy in the playoffs instead of a top five guy. He's got to be a top five guy every round for the bucks. Um, you know, maybe against the magic or, uh, you know, against the Pistons in the first round the past two years, maybe you could get away with it, but, First round against the Miami Heat, you know, I mean, are there scenarios where Jimmy could be could out outduel Giannis and the Bucks could win? Yes, I think so. But um I, I think this is a series where Giannis has to really show up in a way that he didn't last year. And I think it's gonna be interesting because I mean we saw it on Saturday night, like the Heat did a really good job of showing that extra bodies, you know, zoning him up not giving him really easy driving angles, not giving him real one-on-one situations. And, you know, he scores 15 points on 12 shots. And we've seen a lot of games like that from him over the years against Eric Spolstra, regardless of what, um, you know, what guys the Heat have had. And 
you know, last year, Jay Crowder, I mean, people always fixate on, on Bam Adebayo and, and his ability to defend Giannis. But to me, Jay Crowder was the story of that series in terms of the Giannis matchup because Jay was the guy typically starting on Giannis. And he really held his ground well in the post. He's smart. You know, he can take a charge. He can slap the ball away. Um, and then he punished Giannis whenever he was straying off to go help on defense, right? And that's just a huge killer. And so we'll see kind of how, how this year's matchup goes. There's, there's no Jay Crowder. You know, you've got Trevor Ariza as the theoretical starter, it looks like, at, at the floor. Um, but it's going to be, you know, a lot, of, a lot of bodies being thrown at Giannis. And I thought it was interesting seeing, you know, all the lobs that the Bucks were throwing over the top for Brook Lopez. We saw Giannis get one early in the game. For Drew Holiday, uh, who you mentioned, using his size down low, um, I'm just really curious to see how not just the Bucks and the coaches have, but but just Giannis at the end of the day. I mean, how does he adjust and adapt his game? And he has to. You know, this is a great opportunity for him to prove that you can't just sort of scheme him, maybe not out of the series, but you can't just scheme him in a way that takes him down a notch and makes Jimmy Butler a better player than him, basically, right? Um, cause at the end of the day, I mean, Jimmy Butler has been a horrible three point shooter the last two years. He's been better than the playoffs. And I, I think, you know, he's not, he's not Giannis level. I think, I think everybody would trust Jimmy Butler to make jump shots over Giannis when push comes to shove, but certainly the regular season stats last two years would actually suggest not that, that, that Giannis actually might even be a better jump shooter than Jimmy Butler, which goes crazy to say. So to me, the, that, that matchup is, is really interesting. I would love to see Giannis defending Jimmy at times because, again, the fact that Jimmy is not a guy hunting, you know, contested jump shots means you can actually do some things with going under screens, switching screens, doing stuff that normally takes Giannis off the ball, right? I mean, you know, that's, that's the reason why I'm always skeptical of Giannis being able to defend like a, a KD or a, a Kawhi or something like that because you just put him in a pick and roll and you either have to switch or you put Giannis trying to go over a screen, which he's really bad at. So, with Jimmy not being that big shooting threat, I just, you know, I would love to see kind of him get some chances to defend Jimmy that way because, you know, he really bullied Chris Middleton to start games last year a fair bit and they had to put Wes on him, but Wes obviously has his own limitations. Um, so let me, let me put it back to you. I mean, do you think, who do you think is guarding Jimmy? Do you think it is Drew Holiday to start? And again, We've seen Jimmy play what one time in six regular season games against the Bucks the last years. So pretty much all we have is the playoffs. We didn't see them play him play against the Bucks at all this year. Um, and I know Chris can struggle with Jimmy's physicality driving to the basket, which is disappointing because I think in, on paper Chris should be a perfectly fine defensive matchup. I think he was chasing around Duncan Robinson a lot here on Saturday, and that might be his first obvious matchup. All right, we'll keep this chat going, Frank. But first, uh, you know, I've been curious about what the odds would be uh, for this series against Miami. And so I jumped online to betonline.ag. And of course, they have all the info there for me. We know it's the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. You can get all the odds and info for the upcoming NBA playoffs, but also MLB and NHL playoffs are on, I believe, as well, and UFC, MMA, if you are into that. So before the next pitch, before the next tip, whatever it is, Head over to Bet Online on your laptop or mobile device and check out all the great sporting news, sign-up bonuses, and contest information. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use the promo code LOCKEDON to cash in on that one. That's Bet Online, your online sportsbook expert. 
Get all the sports news you need in under 20 minutes with the Locked On Today podcast. Uh, host Peter Bukowski updates you on the latest news in every major sport with the help of our local experts. Uh, I'm on there from time to time. Frank's on there from time to time. So just follow the Locked On Today podcast on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. So do you think it's Drew Holiday defending Jimmy Butler to start games or what do you think the matchup's going to be? Yeah, well, I think the, the interesting question here is what the Heat end up doing at the point guard spot. Now, we saw last year that things changed once they got to the postseason. Goran Dragic, who actually has been getting healthy again. Uh, surprise, surprise, he's getting healthy near the postseason. And if he starts, then it'll be interesting to see the matchup that they go with there because I think that Dragic is so crafty that I would have uh, more than a few concerns with Dante in that matchup there. So I think that's the big question mark for me, who the, who the starter at the guard position. I do think... That Middleton, it wasn't just on the weekend, as you know, Frank. I mean, Chris has kind of been the guy they've had chasing Duncan Robinson around. And, you know, Duncan Robinson wasn't a big factor in the series last year, which is kind of interesting because he does loom, you know, just on paper as a threat when you look at the stats with the with the Bucks and the opposition three-point shooting. Um, so we'll see. But, yeah, I think it, it, we'll see Drew for significant periods on Jimmy Butler because of the physicality factor and that Jimmy Butler, he's not going to overpower Drew. And I think that that was a big problem for the Bucks last season, that he was um, probably too big for Bledsoe and then, and then too strong for Chris Milton. As, as, as we've seen in the past, he was able to get whatever he wanted down the stretch. So I do expect it's going to be Drew. I do think that the fear factor with Giannis and, and picking up fouls is real. I think that they're scared about that and what that does. But you said something that's really interesting to me. And I'm, I probably haven't thought about this as much as I should. With Giannis and the way that we saw him play the other night, and I don't have the box score up, but I think he had 15 points or something like that. It wasn't incredibly efficient. But what you did see, as you pointed to, was certainly using Brook Lopez again, which we spoke about a lot. Um, he was an offensive factor, 9 for 10 from the field, a lot of the times getting a smaller guy on him as those bodies li- load up to Giannis. So can the Bucks win a series against the Miami Heat where Giannis is not the leading scorer? Like, does it, the, are the Bucks going to be able to uh, play in a, in a different way to what we've seen them do in the previous two years where Giannis is a facilitator. He is, uh, I don't want to use the word decoy with Giannis, but he soaks up a lot of the defensive attention. And then a Brook Lopez can, get, can find himself free. Chris Middleton, Drew Holiday, and these other guys. Because I think if there's one team that's going to ask that question of you, it, it could be Miami. And it'll be up to Giannis whether he uh, gets frustrated and tries to force things or he remains patient and makes the right play. Yeah, I mean, we saw against Brooklyn, like Brooklyn, they, they, they showed a little bit more elements of kind of zoning up on Giannis, but A, they played way off Giannis. Yeah. And B, you know, they, they clearly are willing to let Giannis just kind of try to attack and stay home to a large extent and let Giannis get his. Um, Philly has typically played that, that same card. They have not been a team that, um, you know, is going to throw a bunch of bodies at Giannis to try to get the ball out of his hands. Um, now we didn't see obviously as much of Embiid defending Giannis under Doc Rivers this year, but part of that was just due to injuries and things like that. So we'll kind of see what happens. Um, if those teams actually, if we actually get that far, uh, with those teams, but yeah, the heat are different because not only do they kind of like to zone up, but I mean, we saw it. I mean, they're, they're not like slacking way off Giannis trying to dare him to shoot jump shots either. They are kind of doing a little bit of both where they're not giving him room to, they're not basically daring him to shoot the pointers, um, but they're still showing enough bodies that he doesn't really have a free run to the rim. And to me, I think that's the, 
the best way to play him. Um, so I, yeah, I'm, I'm curious to see what he does. I think, you know, it's one of those things like the, the reason why Giannis is great is because like you, you, you just can't do that night in and night out and have, you know, and, and keep him down night in and night out. Um, and I think what we've seen this year is, I mean, you know, there was that period early in the year where it seemed like they were always winning when he was just not scoring at all. Like the Golden State game, he basically didn't score at all. That first Miami game where they hit all those threes, didn't score at all. So there was a lot of these games where Giannis really wasn't actually even involved that much in terms of scoring. And the Bucks were just basically feasting on threes as teams kind of over, over pivoted up to Giannis. Um, so, I mean, throughout the regular season, they've shown they can win games that way. Um, and I think certainly in this postseason, I'm sure they're going to need to win games where Giannis is, is not, you know, scoring 28, 29, 30 points every game. I think if they can do that, obviously you'd feel way better with their chances, especially against a team like Miami. Um, but I also don't think, you know, Miami or any other team is going to be able to, and not that you were saying this, but I don't think any of these teams are, you know, going to be able to take him and, you know, hold him to 17 points a game or something like that in a series. I think he's just too good. He's there are too many ways that he can unlock his abilities around the basket. Um, and I'm, I think it's just going to be interesting to see kind of what the bucks do to do that. Right. I think, I would expect to see a lot of Giannis as a screener. Um, I would expect to see, you know, they'll certainly try to get him the ball in the post, but I would expect the he will probably double a fair bit. Um, so I, I think the spot I would like to see him get the ball at is, you know, the elbow a lot. I think if you give him the ball, dribbling up the court, you know, starting past the three-point line, I think it's going to be really hard for him to attack that way. Um, if you try to give him, you know, reverse pick and rolls, they're going to hedge really hard. It's going to be hard for him to attack and get downhill that way. Um, but I think, yeah, see what he can do as a roller. Again, he might end up being, you know, certainly more of a decoy than anything else in those situations. Um, but we saw him get an alley-oop dunk from Chris on Saturday doing that. Um, obviously, he's got generated a pretty good rapport with certainly Chris and, and Drew as well in those types of situations. And then, um, yeah, try to get the ball at the, at the elbow. I mean, this is something I said in last year's playoffs as well, just because – if you can get him ball there, again, he's can see the whole court and, you know, he's just a little bit, he's just a little bit closer to the basket and, you know, he really only needs to take one dribble and, and he's at the rim if, if he can make the right read and it's just harder to, to send an extra body. And I think what you mentioned about Brooke Lopez is also really interesting because, um, you know, Brooke, the Brooke of the past two years, standing out on the perimeter, shooting three pointers, you know, you can put small guys on that version of Brooke Lopez. You know, you can put Bam on Giannis, you can do different things defensively. But as we saw on Saturday night and what we've seen pretty regularly from Brooke of late, you, know, you put him in that dunker spot. He's close to the basket. If you give him a little guy defending him or you put him in screen and rolls with someone like Chris, who's really good at finding him going to the basket, um, you know, you just throw the ball up near the rim and, you know, he's, he's going to catch it over a, a six foot six guy. So you kind of, I think, have to put, you know, bam on him if, if you're going to use him that way. And so I think, you know, that that's one of those weapons. That, and even if you do put bam on him, um, you know, I don't think Brooks going to be able to post bam up very easily, but if you can, you know, use him as a role man, um, just have him kind of lurking in that dunker spot, uh, waiting for them to overhelp on Giannis, things like that. Then, you know, hopefully we can see another big series from Brooke. I mean, Brooke had a really good series last year against the heat and Brooke's yeah. been a, a very good playoff player for the Bucks. So um, 
I wouldn't be surprised at all. But as you said, it, it may be in a little bit different way than maybe what we've used to, you know, sort of thinking about him as a three-point shooter, which is obviously a theme that we've seen increasing over the past couple months. And I'd say a very, a very welcome one. There was one play in that game against Miami. And again, uh, you know, there's no Jimmy Butler. So in terms of who you have on the perimeter and the bodies you have, it's going to change a little bit. But just simply by having uh, Brooke Lopez in different spots on the floor, you saw that Miami already started to react a little bit to the Bucs having the big guys down there and using the lob threat. And it did open up some wide open threes. We know that getting wide open threes hasn't been a problem for the Bucs in the past in the playoffs. Perhaps making them has been, but it did feel like the way that those open threes came were was it was a different mechanism to how we've seen in the past. So it's going to be fascinating. I think overall, as we've spoke about, uh, a seven-game series against a coach like Spolster is a little bit scary because you know that uh, he's got endless stuff that he's going to throw at the Bucks. We'll see uh, how that plays out. And just simply, as you mentioned, the, the Butler, we haven't seen it since the postseason. So it's kind of hard to get a read on any of these matchups. The one last thing that I wanted to bring up, and, and I had this as one of the topics I wanted to ask you, but then you kind of touched on this a little bit at the start when you were talking about Bud and the Bucks and, and everything that's gone on this season. I'm, I'm seeing a lot of national media saying that the Bucks are entering this postseason with less pressure on them. And I don't really get it. I think if you're the Bucks, certainly if you're Mike Budenholzer, you're feeling the damn pressure because you know your job's on the line. If you're Giannis, you're feeling the pressure because uh, we spoke. I mean, I, I don't think he's been a terrible playoff performer, but there's been little things like the free throw shooting. We know there is a number of different areas where he would like to be better. And if the Bucks fail and if they lose in the first round, uh, it's going to be hard for him to shake that reputation for the third year in a row and the other guys that have been there and just in general how good this team has been. So I think coming up against this team in Miami, I really, really dispute that notion that the Bucs are, are not under pressure. Sure, maybe there's a sentiment that Brooklyn is the team to beat in the East and the Bucs, if they lose to Brooklyn, there would be no shame in that when you've got Durant, Harden and Irving. I get that. But I think this team needs to perform. And if they don't, I, I think they're aware of what that would mean uh, for them, just from uh, how everyone would perceive them, how individual players would be seen moving forward. And, and again, as I, as I mentioned, the coach is probably looking for a new job. I think expectations are, you know, breed pressure. Yeah. I think the expectations on this team this year are certainly lower from kind of a national yeah. media, you know, perspective in general. They're not the favorites. There's, they're nobody's favorites really at this point, you know, from a broader perspective to come out of the East, let alone win a championship. Um, but I would agree with you, like expectations are not the sole driver of, <laughs> of pressure. Right. Um, you know, the other, the other piece is, you know, fear of, of losing and, you know, what that will mean for, for your career, your legacy, your next contract, et cetera. Um, that said, I mean, I, I think pressure on, you know, a coaching staff is very different from like pressure on a, on a player, you know, at, at the end of the day, right? Like, you know, Giannis being up at the free throw line in a critical position, at the critical position, having to make free throws, that, that's a very different type of pressure than, you know, Bud being uh, under pressure to figure out how he's going to, you know, match up with, with whatever Spothro is on the court. To me, like, the coaching is more about preparation, and obviously they have to make decisions in-game and things like that. But ultimately, you know, they're not the ones shooting the ball or really making the plays. And so I think, you know, in some ways, the pressure on Bud, I mean, this, this may be an overly optimistic view of it, but, you know, I would hope that that can be partially a 
you know, more of a motiva- motivating factor and more of a thing that forces him to maybe make some different decisions and be, pro- be pro- more proactive in ways that maybe he wouldn't have been in previous years. So, um, so yeah, I agree. I think, I think there will be pressure on the Bucks. It's going to take different forms. I think as we've been talking about, you know, the pressure on the coaching staff, but in particular is obviously very high because, you know, without an extended run, I think, I think a trip to the East finals, you know, probably, I mean, the, the ultimate, I think, I think, I think where we've been talking about, I think my general sense in, in, you know, just broadly the conversations that we're seeing, you know, if they, if they put up a good fight, but lose against Brooklyn in the second round, that's kind of the ultimate, like, okay, is that good enough? <laughs> like, is that good enough to say, run it back another year and then hope for a different result? I think if you lose in the first round, you know, it's a disaster, right? Cause you've gone from East finals to East semifinals to East first round <laughs> in over the course of three years, right? You're getting literally like regressing uh, the last, the last, you know, over the course of, of Bud's tenure, that's obviously not kind of where you want to be. And, um, you know, at that point you just wonder like, well, do the players even like believe that they can do it with this coaching staff? Right. But hopefully you don't have to confront that fact, but yeah, I mean the East, the East semis, if you lose to, to Brooklyn and let's say Brooklyn goes on to win a championship, what does that mean? Right. Um, is that, you know, are you, are you settling for, um, for, for something if you say like, all right, we'll, we'll just try that again next year. Um, Cause the other thing too, is, I mean, Bud has what one year on his, on his deal left after this season. So if, if he is back, he's going to be a lame duck coach unless he gets an extension. Um, and so that's, that's a whole different dynamic too, right? Cause if you're bringing him back, then are you implicitly going to have to extend him for some period just to keep it from getting weird and even more higher pressure. So it, it's a, it, it's, it, I agree. I mean, this gets back to the idea of pressure. I think the expectations are lower. Um, I think of someone like Giannis, I think, you know, the expectations are perhaps a little bit lower. I think that said, you know, there is the pressure of you've won two MVPs and, you know, what have you done for us lately in the playoffs? And for him, and, and from a legacy perspective, obviously, you know, unless he wins a championship or obviously does better than he has, you know, obviously that will impact kind of where he ultimately fits in the grand scheme of you know, kind of the basketball universe and all that narrative and all that, which I don't know, is a bit tiring to sort of think of it at this point for him when he's 26 years old, but you know, it's, it's in the air, right? If he, if he can shut all that stuff out, great. But um, if he's aware of what happens in the media, then obviously those, those discussions are going to have to happen. So um, I think Giannis, you know, we've talked about, I think Giannis is in a much better, seems to be in a much better headspace. I don't think he doesn't strike me as a guy who's very stressed, uh, about this stuff right now. It seems like he's kind of at peace with, you know, who he is and the type of player he is and his teammates. And, you know, he's got a family now, got his second child on the way. Congrats to Giannis and Mariah on that, that news. Um, so hopefully that perspective lets him play with, you know, a, a degree of calmness, which he can balance <laughs> <laughs> a player like him, obviously finding the balance between calmness, coolness under pressure and finding that tapping into that intensity and that energy, um, you know, night in and night out is obviously one of the, the arts of, of being who he is. So, uh, so yeah, I, I, I agree. I mean, all these guys are going to have different degrees of, of pressure. Um, 
And I think it's just probably different from previous years. Um, I think no one is going to, um, you know, be shocked if the Bucks lose in the first round, given the competition that they're facing. Um, but that doesn't mean that there aren't going to be real repercussions of it for coaches, players, et cetera. I mean, obviously this franchise, as good as things have been the last three years, you know, you want to be, and the whole point is, I think when you look at the Spurs, right, and these teams that, that compete over not just a few years, but over decades, the whole point is you want to get to the point where year in and year out, you're giving yourself a chance to compete for a championship. You know, you're not going to win one every year. You're not necessarily going to be in that last two, last four teams every year. But do you put yourself in a position? Do you have a star and multiple stars? Do you have the coaching infrastructure, et cetera? Um, and the Bucks have obviously put themselves into that mix now three years in a row. But now the challenge is how do you continue to sustain that? And how do you build on this and actually get over that hump um, to actually make a finals, to actually win a championship? Um, so everybody wants it, but obviously it's just a really, really hard thing to do. And I don't know. I'm just really curious, right? I mean, it, it's like I think we often – you know, after playoffs are done, like, you know, sort of the, the, you know, the history is written by kind of the results, I would say, you know, the, the, the old story, you know, the old line about, you know, the, 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 the histories of, of wars and things like that are written by the victors. Um, I think in sports, you know, the history is, is written by sort of the outcomes and not necessarily by the processes or, or what happened, right? Like whoever wins, it gets treated like it was inevitable and they were always the best and it was never in doubt. And, you know, people don't look at the luck and things that could have happened differently along the way. Um, but I think for a team like the Bucks, you know, for sure, they're going to have to, you know, make decisions that are going to obviously consider um, all those things. So, um, yeah, I'm just kind of excited. It's kind of, are you also, I'm, I'm kind of like actually now like annoyed that we have a whole week off before the playoffs start. I think that, the plan should be fun. Um, but I'm also kind of itching to actually see the Bucks play basketball again. And I feel like I'm getting a little bit of uh, withdrawal here, just knowing that I'm going to wait a whole week for this super anticipated start to the series. Yeah. I might run out of bit out of gas by the time the game one comes around. I'm a little too fired up at the moment, but uh, at least we've got these playing games to bridge the gap uh, a little bit. Although uh, I think just from the hints we've got, I don't think this is official unless I, I did miss something. But from what we're seeing, it looks like game one might be on Saturday at Fiserv Forum. It's going to be Saturday or Sunday, but I think it's going to be on Saturday. So that still feels like a fair way away. And uh, by the way, Frank, I mean, we, we talk about pressure. If the Bucks lose game one, uh, it, it's going to be ramped up a little bit. That's, uh, let's just say that. But one last thing, I, and this is just something I thought of as you were talking about that, about the stories uh, of the path to a successful run or a successful team. We spoke a lot about last year's bubble and the fact that we probably will never know that, that what really was going on inside the locker room, inside the players' heads. Uh, if they win the title this year, it might be your best shot for them to open up a little bit about what went on last year. So that would be pretty cool just as someone that's, that's curious about everything that went on down in the bubble. That would be a, a fascinating one there. But Saturday does seem like a long way away. Yeah, I, 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 and I still need to, I, I mean, like, look to see what the playing schedule is because I'm still just trying to wrap kind of my mind around things. So um, I'm, I'm kind of going into West Wednesday. Yeah, I'm kind of going into it like sort of like, oh, who's playing? Oh, okay, these teams are playing. Okay, and yeah. then wait, what? Okay, these th- this team wins there. Okay, gotcha. Um, in part, just because it's obviously the first time we've had this exact format, right? We had uh, a version of it sort of last year in the bubble, but it was a bit different. So, um, yeah, I'm excited to see what what it brings, and um, 
you know, I think for the league, it's going to be a, a very good thing. I'm very curious to see kind of what the ratings uh, end up looking like. But um, yeah, and I guess speaking of ratings, I guess I guess it's good. You know, I, the Heat may be the toughest matchup for the Bucks, but you know, if, if this had been Fox <laughs> Hawks, um, NBA TV daytime you know, baby. Yeah, I don't even know. Like, is there a streaming platform that would they, <laughs> could they have put that on on League Pass only? <laughs> Could it have been, you know, basically only only broadcast as a as a podcast that you have to listen to the day after? I don't know. It just doesn't feel like that would have gotten a, a lot of. I don't know that the Bogdan Bogdanovich uh, storyline would have been interesting enough for the uh, the the nation as a whole to uh, to to get that 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 series front and center, especially with the Bucks being a three seed, not a one seed this year. But um, I think with the Heat, certainly the Heat always uh, make things a little bit more interesting and. Um, you know, I mean, Jimmy Butler in a first round series against hashtag heat culture. I mean, that's uh that's, that's, that's a very good test. And obviously I'm, I'm obviously hoping that they can come out on the other side of this, uh, you know, and, and, but, but we've been waiting, you know, since, since basically whatever, the end of the bubble, you know, we've been waiting for this moment and ironically to, to get a chance at, at a rematch with the heat in, uh, in the first round, obviously maybe a little earlier than, I would have liked, but the flip side is it, it certainly makes for a good storyline. And um, if the Bucks can obviously win this first round, it will um, maybe not exercise all the demons of, uh, of the bubble, but at least win back um, a degree of, uh, of self-respect, you know, kind of like what we saw different circumstances, obviously, but, you know, losing to the Celtics um, in the last, uh, you know, in the last pre-bud year, I'll just call it the pre-bud era. Uh, the last year of the pre-bud era and then, um, you know, getting, getting the chance to, uh, to beat the Celtics the next year and in the second round um, was a, was a nice way to sort of get, get that, get that behind us. So I uh, can only hope it'll be a similar story here with the heat, but uh, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll have to count down the days uh, uh, until then. We got a DM from Bobby Porter's fan club earlier today asking me if at any point during this week, we were going to do a Bucks heat preview um, we're going to be doing it for the whole entire week. So uh, like you said, uh, during the show, we're going to have more time to get into the specific players, some of the performances that the Miami guys have had uh, this season. We'll have Locked on Heat, a little crossover there. They're going to have more info than what we're going to have. Uh, so it's, it's going to be a big week. We'll be able to talk about it and really build this up uh, right throughout the week. So we've got plenty of time to do that. Uh, we will wrap it up now. Uh, we'll be back tomorrow. At some point, there's going to be a locker room as well, I'm sure. You, you guys and girls have got a lot of questions and, and stuff that you're thinking about ahead of this series. So uh, keep an eye out for that because we'll be doing that at some point as well. So uh, we'll wrap it up for this show for Frank and myself. Uh, try and stay calm for the next few days. Listen to Locked On Bucks. We'll speak to you guys next time.